Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. My name is Patrick. I'm Nolan. I'm Zach. Gents, how are we doing this morning? Zach, what's new in Mass Effect? <laughs> Nothing. I'm still he, playing it. Still playing. He, he can't even answer. He's like, That's too I don't want to bog us down on the Mass Effect podcast. <laughs> well, everything I think every time I've talked to you right now, you have mentioned that you were playing Mass Effect. So I figured, why not bring it up? Well, it's great. Everyone should play it if you got the opportunity. Getting a little bit of feedback on your mic there, Zach. It sounds like there's some static. Mm, sorry. Nolan, how about you? You mentioned the other day that you've gone down a wild rabbit hole. What is happening in Azeroth that has you so consumed? Uh, just the normal stuff. Uh, I think the big thing has been uh, they've been raid testing the next realm of bosses for the upcoming patch. And very... Uh, from a mythic standpoint, some very well-designed encounters that are just going to be, I don't know. I i enjoy the world first races. It always impresses me. Uh, it's curious to see what people come up with. Um, and then in this era of Twitch and stuff like that, just watching the pros go in and do stuff and then seeing kind of behind the scenes of what it takes has just been amazing. And then listening to the pros, like the last couple of rounds of like the first and second teams, uh, talking about it and uh, when they talk about boss fights as being absolute bangers of mythic pluses like to a point where like this might be some of the best rating that they've put out in a long time it's gets you a little excited to see because that's pretty big shoes so yeah that's that's really cool you know i know when i was playing world of warcraft first off i, I want to say it seems strange to say the pros right the pros that are playing world of warcraft mm -hmm. and it's but it's true these are people who are you know this is what they do and they get paid well to do it and i and i think it's interesting and i know you know we talk about esports and, and professional esport players and stuff but i don't know sometimes when i think of world of warcraft i just don't think about pros even though there are now i know when i was like a hardcore into rating method was the rating is are they still number one nolan they bounce around um some things happened and they end up be, kind of becoming echo for a while then methods back and then uh, limits up there but i know they dominated the scene for a while and there's about four of them now that are fairly competitive but it's interesting watching or just listening of saying okay you know like they'll, they'll do the testing or whatever uh sometimes they'll stream stuff when they go in and like okay we got the strat they'll take the stream down so it's like behind closed doors uh when they hop back in like they make sure like all their details and all their parsing and stuff like that is all gone so that way nobody can see there's not a lot going on for me in the world of gaming uh, a couple things that i did do this week is i did start reading cults of the blood gods from onyx path once again they have delivered a fantastic book folks if you've never bought are supported a Nonix Path Kickstarter, and there's a game of theirs that you actually play, they're worth backing because the books are just a damn good quality. Um, the other thing I found, and this was really a relief for me because I've been having some frustrations, as I expressed to both of you last, last week or the week before, uh, I found a flow chart for Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. I did some looking because I don't want to give up on this adventure yet. And so I did some looking and found a flow chart that actually says, okay, once they're here, they need to go here. And it allows for some free form in the story, but it still allows us to start guiding the story a little bit better. So I was really excited about that. Really excited to see that we're not going to give up on that adventure. And that's a great way to jump in the D&D news. So, <laughs> of course, in the land of Dungeons and Dragons, it is all about Dritz Duerden. 
like all about Dritz. I mean, that is obviously it is the summer of Dritz Duderden and the Drow, and we are seeing a complete restructuring of the how the Drow are done in Faerun, at least in Faerun. I, I mean, I'd assume they're going to carry this over to all D and D. Guys, correct me if I'm wrong. This is what's going on, right? The Drow are not just 100% evil, ruthless, nasty, loth-loving people, correct? Uh, am I wrong here? They are making changes? Yeah, and I think they've had they've had it and they've set it up in the past of these little enclaves of people who wanted to be free, what they're doing. Um, and it, I, I think uh, Mesobaranzin happens to be fairly close to the surface. It happens to be kind of in the middle of it. So it's kind of like, you know, there are these branches of Cholt that, you know, we don't ever talk about doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, so what they're saying is Loth is an evil god and Mesobaranzin is like the capital of her cult. And that's why they are the way they are. Like they are so deep into, you know, the, the cult that that's all they can see. And so now they're going to be opening up these people that not all drow worship the same. Not all were brought up that way. There are these free cities of her uh, away from her because um, there's other drow goddesses and stuff like that. So it, right. it, it'll be interesting to see how they... Um, I mean, it's been out there and I think it originally probably started as an opportunity for people who didn't want to just be an evil drow, but liked, you know, Dritzed. And so now getting to visit one of these enclaves uh, that worship uh, another deity and are kind and it's going to be weird because throughout the, the book history, Dritz has had um, limited, limited time spent with elves in general. Um, and when he did, it was very interesting perspective. So I'm hoping to see that because um, yeah, he's going to live for 700 years, right? And he's married to a human. So it's, you know, they, they do a really, it was a really fun thing of uh, when they did introduce an elf into Dritz's life and how she's like, well, yeah, I've been married before, but that was another life. Like I've been alive for 400 years. Like I had to segment that stuff because you can't just be you know, you have to like block that off. That was younger me. That was different era me. That was different century me. And he just can't do it because of how he was raised and stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to some of that stuff. Uh, see where they go for the future. Well, in also, you know, we, this is part of some retconning with Watsi trying to make the game more inclusive, right? They're trying to do away with some of the stereotypes and some of the racial hatred that we've seen before. And when Dritz has encountered other elves, the drow hatred was very apparent. Salvatore wrote that into the books because that's how D&D was, right? The drow were hated. The drow were hated by all other elves because they were the antithesis of what the elves were. And now you had... Now we're having these these changes. And Zachary, have you read much of the Dritz books? I yeah. Someone donated them to the library and that they left a box of the paperbacks on the front porch and they were torn up and there was nothing we could use them for. So I was able oh, to right. read them sequentially uh up until something. The one where uh the orcs finally are like hey, we're going to, when the orcs unionize. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and of course there are a lot, and this has obviously been Salvatore's baby, which is great that they are including Salvatore and really letting him be the one who's guiding this. So I did go to the, the Legend of Dritz website. It's like dd.com slash Dritz or Legend of Dritz. And there is some history of the drow that I had never seen before, and I thought this would be a great time to talk about because for all my time in D&D, Menzo Berenzon has been where it's at, right? That's where the drow, that is their 
their headquarters. And I, I believe yeah. there are some smaller cities, but Menzo Berenzon is really the drow central place. Well, not anymore, because in the north, we have a city called Caladay or Caladay. I, I would assume it's Caladay that exists far to the north that is hidden uh, behind a shroud of the aurora and, and, and snow, right? And they say that this is the Avendrow or Starlight Elves. And I put Straylight Elves in, in my show notes, so I'll have to fix that. Uh, they've rejected Loth and remained, and I thought this was really cool, true to their innate integrity. So we have these these Drow Elves, or the Avendrow, um, who've rejected Loth. And that's the case with the three different cities that they have come up with. Um, or maybe it's just two. Or maybe it's three, and I forgot to include the third one. That's a very big possibility. Because um, to the south, we have Sekaloth, uh, which is populated by the Lowendrow or Green Shadow Elves. These elves draw their wisdom from the environment. They have also rejected lost cunning ways. Now, Nolan, you, you're kind of our our elf person. You 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 love the elves and such. Um, I was kind of thrown by this one. The Green Shadow Elves say they draw their wisdom from the environment. Uh, isn't this really what Sylvan Elves do? My my guess this is going to be uh, a Druid Enclave from my description from that there. Whereas I feel like like wood elves and stuff like that, you know, I, I imagine wood elves as being archers, rangers, scouts. Whereas this one here Pretty sounds cool. almost shaman, druid, uh, way, you know what I mean? Like one lives with the land uh, and about it. And that's where they set up their home where the other one is the land, right? That's just. Yeah. And I wasn't sure. It just struck me. I was like, "Wait, that sounds like Sylvan Elves. Why? Why would we be rewriting Sylvan Elves into to Drow history?" But again, and, and I again, I think it it was. I don't know. I always took the the Sylvan Elves as more. Uh, I don't know, like Native American style, live off the land with the land. You know what I mean? Like they were kind of. I think originally they were a little more. They they were wild, right? And I think that was kind of the original take on it. So you had the high elves and you had the wild elves, and ones built cities and monuments and were wizards, and the other ones lived in the land and painted their face in camo, and you never saw them. Um, so I'm that's kind of how I'm taking this one here. So now we're getting into, uh, okay. you know, uh, European druids versus Native American style. That's an interesting way to look at it. I pulled it up real quick. Uh, so the website, guys, is dnd.com slash story slash legend of Drenst. Uh, so just reading this real fast, it says um, their verdant city is Sakaloth. Sakaloth, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Place of shade. And it winds between towering trees and shattering rivers. Even the most knowledgeable bard would be hard-pressed to sing its histories. And few northern adventurers have ever reached its borders. It's a little bit of history there. And they do talk about how they draw their wisdom from environment. The generosity of earth, the mystery of sky, and the complex harmony of forest. Which really, I think you're right, Nolan. That really kind of seems to me very druidic in, in nature. Zach, what do you think? I think Wizards of the Coast has ran out of ideas, and they're just going to make wood drow and high drow. Could be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. that it, could be. It just sounds. It just sounds like they were like, "All right, we're just going to take the drow and split them into sub races, like they did with other things." I don't know. Well, and I guess it's just. I... It just seems strange to have like wood elves who are like living in the woods, and it's like, yeah, but these are these are drow wood elves i i will say and this is just me being silly but i got hung up on the low and drow and i'm like oh can we have these these elves that are always making horrible joke and call them the lowbrow elves uh, right low <laughs> that's terrible i know i'm bad 
Well, I think you know, e- even from not necessarily rewriting history, but uh, what is it? Alestria is the that's... goddess of the moon, and she's always been a drow from yeah, ever. So good elves have been out there who worship it. They're the ones that dance naked in the moonlight. That's how they do their thing. So they're on the surface. They come out at night. They've always been there. So I think it's just one of those things. Again, just because there isn't a book about Cholt doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We're just expanding what we know. But don't you always have to dance naked in the moonlight? Isn't that just how everybody is? That is definitely how you're supposed to dance under the moonlight. Yeah, I I did remember someone like that. Because when we were trying to get a 3.5 game going, in the Faerun book, there was like a subclass that only Drow could take. And I don't know. You were required to work at Balistrae, so I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I, I think it has to do with the moon. And, and and again, that's just, I, it's always been there. We just haven't explored it. Yeah, now, what they're app. adding on to it, you know, is up for just making the narrative fit what they're trying to do, which, again, I think it's it a is, great is opportunity it, to yeah. tell more stories. Because yes. I think it would be interesting to, like, be like, hey, here's the city. It's all drow, and they all worship Loth. But they're like a thousand miles away from the headquarters of the church like imagine a catholic that lives in rome right outside the vatican and then a catholic that might live in like korea like they're gonna no communication with with the vatican right so right this really weird change of catholicism or in this case lothalism lothalism is that a a word now whatever uh you're gonna see this like this dynamic and it could be like you have the the menzo barons on Loth worshippers who are like these hardcore evil ones have like suddenly they found the good, the light side of Loth, and they do it over here, and they're all like lawful good or something. Yeah, you know, of just having people just be like, of just allowing there to be moderates, which I think would be interesting. And I think we see that through if you go to medieval times when Rome was taking over Britannia, right? It's like they would do horrible things in the name of God. And it's like, that's about as far from what he teaches, but you're so far out on the fringes, you're allowed to just do whatever the hell you want because you've got a symbol or a cross or whatever. So I, yeah, I think we've had those examples. And again, like you said, like expanding out to more stories, right? If this is far to the North, like, you know, we know there are these things out there that we never get to like, all wizards aren't bad, but if you just knew the red wizards of Thay, right? Or if you just lived under uh, Manjun or whatever his name is, you know, where Lich and Undead are up, you, necromancy is, you know, yeah. an everyday thing. Like, so again, expanding the story, opening up new areas, which hopefully, hopefully will create an opportunity to tell new heroes coming in. Because at this point, we're, you know, we're pushing mid, hopefully, fifth edition, and we're still dealing with people that have been around for the entire existence of the run. So it would be nice to see some new, new heroes rise up. Yeah. I just like to, I think it'd be more interesting to like find a drow enclave and they're like as far to the East of like the continent as you can go. And they're just like, okay, like, yes, we all worship Loth, but we're not, like, turning people into spidered people. Like, that's crazy. Like, those people in Menzo Baranzon are fanatics. Even we and stay away them, from there. Even we stay away from them. And have them, like, emphasize, be like, yeah, but, like, we know that Loth is, like, a hungry goddess, and she has to be sacrificed to, but, like, that's what you're supposed to do. And have them not, not to be, like, 
to have their beliefs still be a little problematic, but for them to emphasize the good that Loth does for them, be like, she makes us strong. Like she is a, like she is all our mother and you are supposed to obey your mother rather than like right. Menzo Berenson's just being like, yeah, dude, let's kill everybody. Like, we're a death cult and we're here to kill. Right. We, we seed in chaos. So all of these changes are really going to come to the forefront in the novel the Starlight Enclave by R.A. Salvatore. Now, this is one of the few D&D novels that is coming out because D&D, or Wizards, has put a the kibosh on the writing of D&D novels. Uh, this book will come out August 3rd of this year. And just a real quick, I'll read from the... Um, reading from Amazon here uh, of the description. It says, after the setting dust of the demon uprising in two years of peace, rumblings from Menzo Barons and Drow have Jarl Axel nervous. All right, Jarl Axel's in it. I'm sold. Uh, worried his allies may be pulled into a civil war between the great houses. He's eager to ensure Zek Nafin, all right, back in it, uh, is armed with weapons befitting his skill, including in particular Kazatide, a powerful artifact, and I'm probably mispronounced that, known uh, the sword known as Cutter has started wars, corrupted its users, and spilled the blood of many, many people. Nonetheless, or maybe because of that, the rogue Jarlax and a small group of friends will go on an expedition looking for the weapon's last wielder, Duam Huel, uh, in the freezing north, for she may be the key to unlocking the sword's potential and perhaps the key to preventing bloodshed looming over the Underdark. And as they explore the top of the world, Dritz is on a journey of his own, both spiritual and physical. He wants to introduce his daughter Bree to Grandmaster Kane and the practices that have been so central to his beliefs. But having only recently come back from true transcendence, the Drow Ranger is no longer sure what his beliefs mean anymore. He's on that path to determining the future, not just for his family, but perhaps the entire Northlands of the realms themselves. Two different roads. On one, Jarlaxle and Zach Nafin on a quest to find pieces that could offer salvation to Menzel Berenzon. On the other, Dritz seeks answers that can offer salvation to not just his soul, but all souls. And no matter the outcome of their journey, the realms will never be the same again because we're getting two new Drow cities. And, and you know, I, I I'm okay with it for part of the reason I'm okay with it is this. Um, I think it's 100% possible that the the elves in and of themselves can using magic hide a city, and, or at least make it so where I mean we've seen it in, in some of like well even in uh, Rime of the Frostmaiden, like the the druid right the the white moose when you guys go to find it every time you go to it you are veered off because of elven magic. So it makes perfect sense that this could exist. Um, the other thing that I like about it is, or I hope anyway, I shouldn't say I do like, is that it's not on the Sword Coast. Get us off the Sword Coast, right? Because everything is on the Sword Coast. Let's move inwards. There's more to Faerun than the damn Sword Coast. I like the Sword Coast, but however, there is more to it. Uh, so I would like to see that in in a... In, you just can't go wrong with Salvatore. He writes a great Dritz novel. And not only that, he writes a great sword fight. All right. That is my spiel for D&D for this week. Let's jump over to Onyx Path because there is some news from Onyx Path this week. And that is they have launched their latest Kickstarter, Exalted Essence. Exalted Essence features streamlined rules for a new way of playing a classic game, incorporating story-focused action in a presentation designed to appeal to new players and longtime fans alike. Featuring multiple classic exalt, exalt types with charms for each written to enable ease of play, Exalted Essence emphasizes story over character, character over mechanics, and mechanics over minutiae. In order to drive Exalted Essence toward engaging players with the myriad stories that they can tell in the world of creation. 
so the initial ask for this Kickstarter was typical for Onyx Path was around 35000 The current funding amount is $204,335. They are absolutely destroying the stretch goals and still have 24 days left. Uh, you know, this is another one of those games that I would... I'm, Going out on a limb here, but aside from us doing this show, neither of you have probably heard of Exalted, correct? I had not. Yep. And for me, I learned about Exalted several years ago, probably close to 20 years ago, when a buddy of mine named Aaron came over to my house and he's like, hey, have you seen this game? It's called Exalted. I'd never heard of it. It was him and his friend, Chris. Uh, They wanted me to check out this game because it was at that time in the White Wolf line. And they, the way they kind of explained it to me was it's it's anime meets D&D. And I mean, again, this is a 20-year-old description, right? And and I always was interested, just never had the time, go figure. Uh, but it, it seemed like a neat game. And I know that the artwork for Exalted looks amazing, but I just never got into it. Uh, so if you are a fan of Exalted and you are looking for a new Exalted uh, supplement, I would say go check out this Kickstarter because, again, Onyx Path does a fantastic job with their Kickstarters. The books they produce are excellent, and uh, this is a great way to get another Exalted book. So that is all I saw for Onyx Path. I know they had some new releases this Wednesday, but I don't exactly remember what they were. So let's jump over to Chaosium because a new solo Call of Cthulhu adventure was recently released by Modifius. Or I'm sorry, huh? by Chaosium. My show notes are incorrect. Again, Alone Against the Tide sees an investigator heading into a remote lakeside town where strange things are happening. Written by Nicholas Johnson, you can purchase this solo adventure in softcover with a PDF, which I always love, for $14.95 from the Chaosium website. I know I've probably asked you this before, Nolan, but I don't know that I've asked Zach. Zach, what are your thoughts on solo adventures? Where you're played with one game master and one player, or just like yes. the player by themselves? I, I believe this is going to be one game master and one player. It sounds very interesting. Okay, for what reason? Like, it must be a completely different experience. Like we've played in a very small group, but never with under three people. That's or at least true. I, I've never played with less than three people. Um, and I should say players, three players. So, you know, four people at the table total. I can't. It must be very different when it's just you and a game master where it's just you and one player. I, I think it sounds very, very interesting. And so I think it's also, I think that's a, a niche in our already niche hobby that is like waiting for someone to really take charge and start offering products for that. You know? If your husband or your wife is really, really into RPGs and you've never like you've never really done it and their birthday's coming up and you can download a PDF and give them a birthday that they've never had before. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. Nolan, what do you think? I <clears throat> I like I like the idea of it. Um I think that that is a opportunity for a lot of stuff, uh, especially uh, if you could come up with a solid system for session zero or 
session 0.5 before you're actually on the road where again i think i've we've we've talked about it before but writing something oh this is my character's thing and he was the last survivor of the farm and this is this and you move on and it never actually comes up again it doesn't become part of the character it's just backstory that you wrote on a piece of paper versus saying okay you're the last remaining person of an orc attack from this farm let's play it how did you survive and creating a quick little one-off scenario that takes 20 30 minutes or whatever okay the fires and the night come you hear the warning bell your town's under attack what do you do remember you are a level zero person and it could be that you hid your mom grabbed you and hid you under the floorboards and you know the classic uh, you're hiding there, not making a sound and something kills her and the blood just dripped down on your face. And you know, that kind of stuff where that, that moment becomes so much more for you because you air quotes lived it, um, versus just saying, yeah, I was the last survivor of my town and that's why I adventure, you know, I was a hero, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, uh, okay. So I, I think that's, I like that Nolan. I like that a lot, especially when you talk about maybe your mother didn't hide you under the, the floorboard. Maybe you were the you were a cleric or, or a priest, right, in the church, and there was a raid, and you had no choice but to help out. And for the first time ever, you picked up a Warhammer because it was the only thing there. And now you're sold on it because that was the first thing that you ever used, and you're comfortable with it, and you don't want to try any other weapons or, or, or the sword or whatever. This could be a great way for you to develop your character before you ever sit down and play. I like that. And I think about to a few years ago, Nolan, you may remember when you ran a little scenario for Sheree and I, uh, it was when I was still playing Kildrak. It was actually the first chance I ever got to play Kildrak without being the DM as well. And it was a blast. We had a lot of fun. I think we played for like three hours or so. Uh, it was just the three of us. And as a result, like the belt that Kildrak carried that he was always able to reach in and pull out a frosty mug was became pivotal to the character. Yeah, I think so. getting your powers, finding your powers, like, I, I, you know, all that stuff is what we see in the hero story, right? Like, it's it's the long path towards the payoff and whether it is picking, you know, whenever we talk about hammers, I always think about Thor and Captain America and, like, seeing fans' reaction to Captain America finally having the weapon, you know, that kind of stuff there. I and it, like, it. It, it doesn't ever, you know, if that just happened... Or if it was like, yeah, he tried to pick up the hammer once and he wasn't worthy and we moved on about it. But we saw it. We saw the thing. We saw the struggle you grow there. So, again, having the experience means so much more than just reading about it and like, oh, let me get you caught up on a flashback. No, let's let's play it. And so these, like Zach was saying, this is an opportunity for one one player, two players, sit down, create a, create a book or a series or okay, you know, these are the backgrounds in fifth edition. Here's how I would run a session zero for each background. Um, and it mean you were going to sit down and we're going to play it. And sometimes maybe it is two people. You were both on the caravan and you both arrive at the city gates at the same time and they aren't letting people in or there's a plague outbreak or a zombie sits up, you know, whatever. And you had to defend. And now you two have got a little something because of your bond versus me just saying you two uh, are rival treasure hunters together. And like that means different things for everybody. So all of a sudden, like one person's like, hey, I'm going to beat you. And the other person's like, I'm going to kill you in your sleep. And you're like, whoa, that's not the relationship I thought at all. Like what's going on? So. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I listen to Red Moon Roleplaying quite a bit. Um, I think they're fantastic. And, and they're not the only uh, actual play that I listen to because I listen to Twin Cities by Night too. But they do a lot of cult. And cult is a game that we've never dealt with. We've never messed with. Um, it's really on the darker side of things. And it's not something I'm super comfortable throwing at Nolan because he's going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, however, 
they have a lot of one-on-one sessions where it's just the DM and it's just the player and they deal with some heavy stuff. And I think if you're trying to see what it's like to, you know, experience a solo session and you're a little tepid, you want to just, you know, put your toe in the water a little bit, go listen to Red Room Roleplaying's cult scenarios where they're doing just one-on-one with a with a player. Because you're going to hear and see some inter... Well, hear, because they're all audio. You're going to hear some interesting stuff and, and just how they deal with it. And, and by the same token, I think it was the family that they put out for... Um, I believe it was for Cults of the Blood God uh, that Matthew Dawkins was the storyteller, and he does a lot of one-on-one stuff, and it's it really is cool to listen to. And I think about this, like Call of Cthulhu is a game that I have played, I want to play more of, uh, and it's uh, something that I could see picking this up and grabbing my son and saying, hey, you know what, sit in your room, I'm going to sit in my office, we're going to get on Discord, even though we're in the same building, because I want to record it, and I want to put this out so people can see what it's like. Uh, I think he would be 100% for that, and my wife may too. So I, I like the idea of solo adventures, I really do. I like the idea because it not only gives you a chance as a storyteller or a DM to develop those skills with just one person instead of having to herd cats, so to speak. It also mm-hmm. gives someone to a chance to be the focus and be the one who has to begin to role play. You know, maybe you're not comfortable role playing and you're just chucking dice. Well, here's a great way for you to develop those skills before you sit down and play with a group. Uh, so I I love the idea of solo role playing. In fact, this is actually how I got my start as a DM. My buddy Harold wanted me to DM for his one character. And that's how I got my start. And it was it was great. We had a lot of fun. We sat upstairs at my parents' house with a bottle of tequila and some mixers and just played D&D. <laughs> so uh, moving on, uh, Chaosium also announced that Mansions of Madness, a Call of Cthulhu supplement, has arrived on the popular virtual platform Roll20. According to Roll20's Or report, Call of Cthulhu was ranked as the third-ranked campaign setting on the platform, meaning the third most popular. Uh, And as Call of Cthulhu also saw an 8.65% growth in quarter one of 2021, which, you know, that seems like it's really good. What do you guys think? I wonder what brings uh, that kind of stuff, if it's always been out there and people are looking for it, or I felt like we had a good, we've had a good series of Cthulhu-like stories out there. And I wonder if that's getting people interested in stuff. Um, not that it probably compares, but I, I felt like uh, some of the WandaVision stuff could very much be considered along that line of abnormal, trying to, you know, mystery type stuff. Um, and then ah. the one for HBO as well, I think got people oh. really curious in it. So I'm, I'm curious to see if, it, if, if there's any correlation to it or if it's just one of those things of people have been demanding these books for a while and we've just been oblivious to it. I don't know I that we either or. Go ahead, Zach. And, I mean, the book business is always so weird anyways. You know, like, I'm glad to see the growth. Uh, it, it can always be hard to tell, like, what that came from. Maybe there were some retailers who were just like, hey, we can get all of these right now. And they jump on it, and then someone else sees that they're getting all of it, so they buy it too. But that's a I mean, an an eight percent growth. That's a big. That's a big growth. That's, that's a big. That jump. is a very over big growth. One, and over one quarter. 
and you figure there's multiple games on Roll20. Like, obviously, Dungeons & Dragons is number one, and I can't remember what number two was. Um, but it was, I remember going, oh, it's a really popular game. Um, but it it's over, like, Pathfinder. It's over some of the other more popular engines, right? Um, now, something to keep in mind is Call of Cthulhu has been around since 1981. This is one of the older RPG settings. I think they're currently on... I can't remember if it's 5th or 7th edition that they have out now. Um, and I know when we had David Larkins on the show and he was talking about it, coincidentally, David Larkins was also talking about running solo RPGs with his wife. Um, they run Vampire Solo. Uh, so I, I think I think what we're seeing is there's definitely, especially right now, we see it with D&D, we see it with Vampire, we see it with some of the other games. Horror is a thing. People like horror. They like having that level of intrigue and interest and in, in uncomfortableness in their rpgs because it adds a little bit more flavor instead of just oh we're, you're gonna, gonna go in the dungeon and get and get treasure uh, we've experienced that with personal horror when we played the giovanni chronicles we've experienced that in DD a little bit with rhyme of the frost maiden we've experienced that in other vampire games where all of us have had those moments where we're just uncomfortable enough that makes us go Ugh, but not stop playing and i think that's what call of cthulhu does i I love Call of Cthulhu. Like I said, it is a fantastic game, and I'm excited to see it hitting this growth spurt. Again, my rants. <laughs> Apparently, I'm full of rants today. <laughs> Good day for uh, I guess. Uh, speaking of Call of Cthulhu, Modifius has announced the release of Under the Gun, a brand new mission for Octung Cthulhu, and this is called What Lurks Beneath the White Cliffs. Uh, so it says Dover, June 1940. After decisive defeat in the Battle of France, German forces hover poised a mere 20 miles away from the English Channel. Artillery is rushed to the Dover area, and shelters and bunkers are dug into the famous White Cliffs. Then, beneath the town, a strange discovery is made. Now, keep in mind, Octung Cthulhu is World War II. So it's Cthulhu setting in World War II. Uh, buried within the cliffs of a hundred, hundred million year old chalk lie the remains of an unusual building, the landing ground for Romans, Saxons, Nor Normans, and countless other invaders throughout history. The Kent coast is no stranger to antiquities. An archaeologist is dispatched from Cambridge University to evaluate the find. But this is a structure like no other, and it contains a deeper mystery, whose truth is better concealed from an already nervous British public. Section M dispatches agents to investigate but can they uncover the truth underlying this ancient site and will they survive the dramatic conclusion to a shadowy drama which is played out under the gun under the gun is a standalone 15 page adventure for octone cthulhu 2d20 for four to six agents explore an ancient mystery buried deep within the oh. iconic white cliffs of dover and unearth an artifact millennia old offers a mix of classic investigation, exploration, and combat to suit all play styles. Playable with Octung Cthulhu 2D20 quick start rules, although the full Octung Cthulhu 2D20 core books are recommended. More Cthulhu! <laughs> uh, and, and, and I know we've kind of talked about this before, but there are multiple settings for Call of Cthulhu, Octung Cthulhu, Pulp Cthulhu. And then, of course, the classic Call of Cthulhu. So, don't. I wonder if they're ever going to do a more modern day Cthulhu. That'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. I do uh, think what, it's interesting to split your your settings, I guess, under a timeline rather than like different worlds. But I guess it's called Cthulhu yeah. is supposed to take place on Earth. On Earth, right. Yeah, like it 
But it also seems strange that it's so close together. But I guess maybe that's just allows them to tell the kind of adventures and stories. I think that's I think you just nailed it right there. Because let's face it. I mean, look how how dramatically the world changed from 1900 to like 1944. Right. The world went through so much in that in that 40 year time period. Um, You know, we saw like what turn of the century things were becoming so industrialized and we hit the great depression we had world war one we had world war two yeah. we had uh, i have those backwards sorry um we have all these different major events that happen and why not take call of cthulhu and say okay we're just going to focus on world war ii with this instead of putting out a supplement for call of cthulhu world war ii we have a whole setting for it what i think where i go a little eh, is that it's a different rule set so yeah. I'm using the 2D20 system versus the classic Call of Cthulhu system. Um, and I could be wrong. I haven't I have the Call of Cthulhu Keepers handbook, but I have not read it, so I'm not positive of the rule set. But I don't remember it using the 2D20 system, and I could be 100 percent wrong there. So yeah, yeah, just Cthulhu is all over the place, and and that's uh, one of those games that I think we should play, but we just gotta find more time. What is it you say, Nolan? Too many games, not enough time. Yep, need more hours in the day for fun. Absolutely. Um, Modifius also announced the quick start for their RPG of Dune, Worm Sign Quick Start. Uh, I'll just read this real quick, too. They say you can't drill in the t- in the desert. Storms and sand tides destroy equipment faster than it can be installed, but the worms don't get you first. The Dune Adventures in the Imperium role-playing game takes you to the far future beyond anything you have imagined, where fear is the mind killer, so be sure to keep your wits about you. The Imperium is a place of deadly duels, feudal politics, and mysterious abilities. House noble politic, politic constantly. Wow. House no or noble houses politic constantly for power, influence, and vengeance in a universe where a blade can change the fortunes of millions. Set out to investigate beyond the shield wall of your house. You know deadly dangers await you on the sands of Arrakis. Can you locate the smuggler stealing your house's spice, or will you run afoul of the mysterious and territorial ferrymen or freemen, sorry, who live out in the deep desert? Out here, you only have yourselves to rely on. There is no power greater than the vast worms who jealously guard the spice. Whatever you do. Remember that those that control the spice control the universe. And it goes on to tell you what all is included in this. Um, you know, I've, I, I haven't read the Dune book, which I'm sure some people are going to be like, oh, how dare you? But I haven't. Um, and the movie came out when I was young, and I've struggled to watch. Yeah, stop it, Zach. I, I've struggled with watching that movie because it was so slow. Uh, I know people, and I know people on this podcast are fans of the Dune setting. So I'm going to turn it over to you two. What do you guys think of this? I don't know, honestly. I, I would have to see it. The books were always really fascinating just from a standpoint of it, it would be very much in line with your vampire, I believe, as far as like the political and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to see the movie when it comes out, I guess. And so maybe that's part of it. I am very, I am very excited. I love Dune. I've loved it ever since I, I read it when I was 13. Loved it ever since. Um, Denis Villeneuve is, I think, the best director working right now. I've loved everything he's ever made. And so for him to tackle Dune, very excited about that. I have no idea what you're supposed to do in an RPG for Dune. I I don't want to trash talk and I don't want to be dismissive. Like I'm not sure what you're supposed to do. 
Well, you can find out because the quick start is free. <laughs> so you yep. could go download it and read it, and then you could come over here and run a game for us. <laughs> I, I, I will be doing that just because I love reading the, I love reading the mechanics and the stories of RPGs that people put together. But I don't know. I'm worried that it's going to be set. There's just a lot in doing. Like I'm not sure how you mechanize it, for lack of a better word. Like, how do you deal with someone know. with a character at, that can see the future like they're supposed to be? Do you just cut that out from like character abilities? Like, do you just is the game master just supposed to be like, look, you can't win right here because this guy can see the future and you cannot? Is it going to be set in the later Imperium where only women are allowed to fight? And you just have a bunch of fish mothers and fish wives who have, because they can remember back to the time where the first religious like individuals were women that spoke to fish. Dune gets I, weird. Yeah, Dune, I don't real know. weird. It sounds like it. And so I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm very excited to see what they do. But I know that well, I know that this isn't the first foray that there were Dune trading card games. There were I, I'm not sure if there was another Dune RPG. The first real time strategy game was a Dune video game. Well, like, like I said, Zach, why don't you download the Quick Start from Drive Through RPG and I, tell us what you think? Um, maybe it's something you want to give I a try. Well, included in this, you will. Uh, it says includes you, uh, introduces you to the Byzantine world of, in the, of the Imperium, putting you in the heart of events set to change the universe. Offers you the basic rules you need to play, including both physical and social forms of conflict. So obviously, no one there definitely dealing with the pol politics there. Um, a complete adventure designed to specially or uh, designed specially to introduce you to the rules and the incredible science fiction setting of Frank Herbert's Dune and six elite agents as pre-generated characters to let you get playing as quickly as possible. So all the stuff that you need to start playing is in that. And like I said, it is free. Uh, I believe that link is on drive through RPG. There is a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. Um, I like that they do these free quick starts that, you know, give mm -hmm. people a chance to get their feet wet, so to speak, uh, into their games. I know they did that with Octane Cthulhu. They've done that with Star Trek. They've done it with now Dune. I think they did it with Dishonored, too. So that is one thing that I do like about Modifius. Moving on from Modifius, though, is the Humble Bundle. Now, we usually don't talk about Humble Bundles on, on the show. Um, there's been a couple that... There's been a couple that Nolan and I have both, you know, jumped in on. Like I've done some of the Warhammer stuff. Nolan did the the Lord of the Rings stuff that they did. Um, but in this case, you know, we were all pretty pumped up about Symbrium. And Free League recently had a Humble Bundle. And I know, Zach, you said you jumped on it right away. So why don't you tell us about this Humble Bundle from Free League? Yeah, Humble Bundle has a... If you're on a, if if this is your first time hearing about it, um, Humble Bundle is a website that will put together a collection of products for you to buy. You pay what you want, and there's tiers. So as long as you pay like at least one dollar, you'll get tier one, you know. And then further down the line, if you pay ten dollars, you'll get everything up to that point. And then you can always just pay whatever you want. So if you were interested, you could just pay a hundred dollars. And then each bundle is tied to uh, the company who has the products. 
Humble Bundle itself, and then they have a charity, and you can choose where that money goes. So if you were interested, you could... Anyway, so yeah, uh, Humble Bundle's really great. They've had um, incredible bundles before. I picked up all of uh, the Adventures in Middle-Earth series they had a bundle for. Right now they have a bundle for every Pathfinder 2 bestiary. It's like $1,000 worth of content, and you can pick it up for $25. But the really interesting one to me was Free League had a humble bundle up with all of the original Simba Room and uh, Tales from the Loop as well. So you can pick up every single Simba Room product except for the very last adventure for the Throne of Thorns, which hasn't even come out yet. Um, which I will also just be purchasing at this point, because why not? But uh, I got it. It was $18 for every single thing. I think looking at drive through RPG, if you were to buy all of them, it's a couple hundred bucks. So even if you're just interested in like reading about the world and figuring out what you can do with it, I think it's a great, I think it's great right now. It's perfect. And it's not just Simbroom. I think From the Loop is in there too, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so there's some really good uh, stuff in there. And from the loop seems very, very cool, too. Because you uh, just got to, like, play mutants in a post-apocalypse. It looked really cool. Yeah, I think Free League puts out some really neat stuff. So this could be one that is absolutely worth jumping in. And, and the cool thing is, is that when you get these Humble Bundles, they come in PDF format. Um, and so it's not like you have to go buy a new bookshelf to stack all these books on it because you do get a lot of books. I know when I did the vampire one, I think there was like 30 books in the in the whole yeah. thing. And the Warhammer one was much the same. So there's – and Nolan, how many did the Lord of the Rings have? All of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> yeah, so it's quite a bit of stuff that you get. Um, and again, it's all in PDF format, but – that's kind of the way the world's going, right? Is you, you have your digital library. Um, make sure you have a backup drive somewhere to store them all. I think I got drive. 12 zips out of the Lord of the Rings one. Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised. I think right when they got started, they had one with 30 different video games. Right. And I'm not sure how, because I noticed there was a Mass Effect like Legendary Edition on Humble that i don't know how the video games work is it a subscription base at that point zach or is it you just get the game no you can just buy you can buy through their store okay. as well um but they'll do a bundle where they'll just like put all of the super giant games together and gotcha, you can pay okay. what you want i think they might still have one up which is i think just namco bandai stuff right now so if you're looking to play tekken 7 you could buy tekken 7 and a bunch of other stuff right now. I used to love Tekken. So, well, you can get Tekken 7 for Steam right now on Humble Bundle. Yeah, that's not at all what I need. Trust me. <laughs> so, I don't need a time killer. <laughs> yeah, so this bundle was pretty cool. The moment I saw it, I was like, yeah, I'm getting that. I kind of figured you probably would. That's why I shared it to, to you guys right away I was, when I saw it. I'm like, uh, have you guys seen this? And Zach's like, I already bought it. Yeah, I just bought it. That's awesome. Well, guys, that is all the news that I have found for this week. Is there something I'm missing? Is there anything more? No? We good? Okay, well, then that is going to be... 
that is going to be our show for this week uh thank you everybody for listening we will be back next week in a couple weeks uh be sure to tune in i've reached out to the guys over at the dungeon master dojo and we're gonna have one of them come on our show and just join us and we'll have to figure out what our topic is gonna be those guys put out a great show talking about dnd so make sure you check out the dungeon master dojo that'll be on uh, our episode on june 20th i believe so make sure you tune in for that uh, other than that Hope everybody in the U.S. has a happy Memorial Day next or tomorrow. And if you're not working, have a drink for me because I'll be at work. Oh. Holiday pay. <laughs> yeah. No, unfortunately. Oh. So anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye. I'll see you all later. Hey, everybody. Patrick here. And after we signed off, it dawned on me that there was an important announcement that we forgot to mention. And this came live from or this comes straight from Renegade Game Studios. And that is the Sabbat are coming to V5. That is correct. The Sabbat, the Black Hand, will be coming out later this year. It looks like it's scheduled for delivery in August. Now, reading from the press release here, it says the official Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition. Oops, sorry. Let me back up here. Renegade's first all new source book for Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition arrives this August. Sabat, the Black Hand, includes everything you need to include the Sabat as antagonist in your game. Inside, you'll find descriptions of the paths of enlightenment for the foundations of Sabat identity, information on the Gehenna War, and details on how the Sabat opposes the Dread Antediluvians. You'll get new tools to expand your chronicles, including discipline powers, minions, and servitors, and the horrifying Rite of the Sword of Cain. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm really excited about this. V5 feels like it is absolutely missing the Sabbat. And, or I shouldn't say the Sabbat, but just the hardcore edge of the Sabbat. The cover art looks fantastic. You need to go to renegadegamestudio.com to check that out. The cover art looks great. There's going to be a storyteller screen and toolkit that comes along that is going to be released at the same time. It looks like they are currently available for pre-order on the uh, Renegade Game Studio uh, web store. And I'm jumping over right now just to see and it's got a price tag of about 45 dollars so i don't know about you but i'm really excited to hear that the spot are finally coming to v5 and i just i felt like we needed to jump back in and tell you about that because that was some big news that came out this week so that is it for this week everybody thank you so much for listening to our show we will catch you next time